right, today I'd like to welcome to the podcast Dean Isaacs. He is the founder of Vantage Group and the Growth Collaborative. He has over 20 years experience helping companies build predictable, profitable revenue in their organizations. As a consultant, coach, and mentor, he helps his clients overcome the many challenges they face in the areas of sales, marketing, and business growth. That's every business owner, right? <laughs> Typically, yeah. Dean's passion is helping entrepreneurs reach their personal and business potential. He grew up in London, England. Guys, it's a good accent all day long. <laughs> if I kind of fade off, it's just because I'm listening. Um, and came to the United States at the age of 19 to play college football. I did. Yeah, that's right. American football. American football. Hand egg, as we like to call it around here. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, where did you play college football? I started out in a junior college in San Jose, California, in the Bay Area, and then I got recruited to Mesa State College in Grand Junction, right. now Colorado Mesa University. Colorado Mesa. And I actually saw that on your LinkedIn, and I was like, Colorado Mesa University. Yeah. I was like, isn't it Mesa State? Yeah, it, yeah. they rebranded re a few years ago. <laughs> I used to do basketball camp at Mesa oh, State. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big um, basketball school. It is a big basketball yeah. school, and they used to do this huge camp every mm -hmm. summer, Yep. and all the high schools would go and camp. Yep. basketball camp and hundreds of kids dorms. running around campus I so <laughs> many so many of us um so first question is always the same what was your first job my first job well first job that i actually got paid to do was <laughs> um a paper round paper that, route that's all that matters so i had paid. a friend that um was doing delivering papers and made some money i was like i need to make some money so I signed up and realized it was not my career path of choice. It was, uh, you know, in London, cold, rainy, dark mornings, 5 a.m. I'm on my bike riding around. And, and we didn't have the luxury of just chucking the newspaper on the driveway. We had to get off our bike, walk up the driveway, put the newspaper in the letterbox, go back to the bike and go door by door by door. So it was, it was a long, painful learning experience, but a good one nonetheless. So that was my first job. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much fun. No. <laughs> so how did you get started in sales and marketing? Um, like many people, I think by accident, I didn't graduate college and say, right, I'm going to go sell stuff. Right. Um, my degree actually is in exercise physiology. Oh, that's so right. I, I saw that. Out, yeah. In the um, strength and conditioning space, ended up um, working for a couple of um, large athletic clubs, mm -hmm. um, kind of worked my way up. I was selling memberships, so I kind of was never taught to sell. I was just told, go sell memberships. So that's what right. I did. That's how you um, and then, sell personal um, training sessions. Exactly. Selling personal training, selling the different um, leagues, golf leagues and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. the clubs offered. Mm -hmm. And then eventually sort of worked my way up into general management and then had more responsibility, learned about managing people and why marketing is really important, not just sales. Mm -hmm. And so just that was my first sort of path into selling and then um, ended up working for a, um, a high-tech company. Um, selling to the Fortune 500, cold calling into Intel and Microsoft and Starbucks. Cold calling. Yeah. And so I learned a lot in that job and ended up becoming a regional sales manager, national sales director. So I learned a lot in that role. Mm -hmm. um, and then just my path, uh, my career path just continued to evolve and was always involved with marketing and selling. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is one of the most common struggles you see businesses having with their sales and marketing? No plan, yeah. no goals, mm -hmm. um, lack of process. I mean, the, the symptoms are fairly consistent across small businesses. And, and really, they, they don't have a way to produce predictable revenue, right? Predictable mm -hmm. sales and then have it be a profitable revenue as well. So without a process and a plan and strategy and trained people and all of the components of a good system, you, 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 you're going to be guessing. And so taking that guesswork out is a lot of what I try and do for clients. So most, um, so my guess that kind of feeds into my next question, which is most business owners aren't um, sales people. 
Right. So what do they need to do to become um, great or even just better at sales? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's funny because most uh, most business owners go into business because they're a technical expert, right? right? They know or the widget. Or the ser- Yeah. But they don't realize that they're the chief sales officer too, right? Right. If they don't go out and sell something, you no. don't have a business. No, right? no, no. It was, uh, it was a, yeah, it was a ice bath basically when I realized I had to go yeah. sell stuff. Right. The old <laughs> adage, nothing happens until something gets sold. It's yeah, so true it in a small business really that true. startup phase generating some consistent revenue is really important. And then you get to that growth phase and have to be able to do it on a more predictable basis. Mm-hmm. So for, for business owners, they love their baby, right? And, and if you get a no in the sales process, somebody just called your baby ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't <laughs> want to hear that, right? So it's separating yourself from the, the solution that you provide. And I think that goes for not just business owners that are in sales, but mm-hmm. any salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to be a good salesperson often makes you a poor salesperson because you're trying to manipulate or get somebody to say yes or try and fit a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. And that people don't want to buy, Mm-mm. right? We don't, well... We don't want to be sold to, but we love to buy stuff. We love to buy stuff. Right? And when a salesperson rolls up, they're trying to sell. So there's this natural conflict between the buyer and the seller. The buyer's trying to convince, mm-hmm. uh, the, the seller's trying to convince, mm-hmm. but the buyer's, um, there's there's that guard, right? There's mm-hmm. that kind of glass wall. They won't quite give you all the information mm-hmm. so the seller can really be in a position to help. Mm-hmm. So how do you overcome that conflict? And, and a business owner is so busy in the weeds, delivering products and services, running their team, they never learn to be more inquisitive during the sales process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest barriers for, for business owners. I like that. So inquisitive, can you be more specific specific about like what helps them be more inquisitive or what yeah. like questions are easier yeah. or better for them to ask? It's it's changing your perspective when it when you think about selling, mm-hmm. right? As I said, selling is this sort of me convincing you and you being guarded as the buyer. Mm-hmm. But as a seller, the most powerful thing you can be is inquisitive. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're an expert in in your prospects or your client's industry, and you're an expert in their business and the business problems that you're helping them try and solve, mm-hmm. then you can ask really thoughtful questions. Questions that will help a business owner think differently about the problem they think they need to solve. Mm. So that's the inquisitive nature of, of a good salesperson. You have to be naturally curious to really understand why. I hear lots of prospects say, we need to increase sales. Well, by 1% or 1,000%. Mm-hmm. This year, next year, what is that? We have to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. And if I just respond to, yeah, all right, we can help you increase sales, I really don't know what's going on. I don't know how to provide the right kind of solution. But if I'm inquisitive and I understand their business Mm -hmm. and the challenges they're trying to solve, Mm -hmm. then I can dig deeper and help the prospect really reframe the problem they're trying to solve and ultimately understand the goals, the outcomes. Mm -hmm. What are we trying to achieve? Because sometimes that stated need Mm -hmm. isn't actually the problem we're trying to solve to get to the goal. Yeah, that makes so sense. that's what I mean by inquisitive, is asking those kinds of questions. Um, so I was talking to a friend of mine who's a veterinarian mm-hmm. um, just a couple of weeks ago, and I was kind of just trying to pick her brain because mm-hmm. we're going to reposition our firm towards uh, women-owned veterinarian clinics. Okay. And I just was like, can I just pick your brain, see what's going on? You know, how, you know, what are your pain points? What are the things? And she's like, we have cash flow problems. And I'm like looking at and I'm like, I don't have your financials. I don't have right. anything. I said but you just need to sell more stuff, right? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> what is the number, like what is the service you can sell that you don't have to do it? Or like what's your most profitable? And she's yeah. like, well, my prof- most profitable is surgeries. And I'm like, well, that's all you. Right. I said, what's your most profitable that the team can handle? Mm-hmm. And she, I don't remember what it was. And I was like, okay. I was like, you could make 450 grand from now until the end of the year if you sold 
a middle amount of those, right? right. I was like, go talk to your team and figure out how you guys are going to execute totally. this, right? It's great. Yeah, great But advice. it was just very much like, okay. Yeah. Like, and she was like, oh, you know, because they're so, as business owners, we are so in the weeds and I am a poster child for being in the weeds because it's easier. It is. Right? Yeah, it's you easier. get stuck doing the, the It's easier thing. to do the things that her urgent than to focus on the other stuff and it was just very eye-opening for her and i was like thank you for your time today and she's like thank you (laughs) i was just like you know i was like okay i got five minutes to see if we can fix you um i need to follow up with her and see if like she like that worked yeah because she wants to take care of her people and she wants to do all these things and she wants to have sales and she wants you know she has this great heart for all of her people and she takes care of them already i was like put them in charge of making some more sales and she was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Hopefully That's it That's great. And if it isn't a revenue cycle thing or a collection mm-hmm. thing or a profitability thing, mm-hmm. it's just focusing on the right type of service. Right. That's that's low-hanging fruit. Right. That's it was awesome. super low-hanging yeah, fruit. Like I am not an expert at sales, but I was just like, Go do more of that. What's this one thing you can do? <laughs> yeah. You know, what is what is the thing you're not thinking about that needs just needs to be sold? Right. Um and again, I'm not an expert. So many people will tell a business owner to just go make connections and have lots of copies and then get zero referrals from these connections. How would you advise people to change how they do their one-on-ones or networking meetings to create actual referrals? That's a great question, Jamie. You know, I, I've been through three or four different startups in my time and moved to different cities and had uh-huh. zero connections. So I've been through this cycle a lot myself. Right. So I've learned what, what I find works and what's repeatable. So... I think there are three things that we don't think about too much when we're out making connections. Now, I, I understand where you've got to go wide and meet lots of people, mm-hmm. right? That's your foundation, right? If you don't meet enough people, you're just never going to get your, your referral network off the ground. Oh, but that's true. a little more strategy goes a long, long way. Mm-hmm. So the first is, are you meeting the right people? That's huge. So how do you define who the right people are? It's not about people you like or don't like. It That's not... That's important, but not as important. But mm-hmm. it's really a couple of things. First of all, are these individuals, um, do they fit the the demographic and the psychographic of your ideal referral partner, mm-hmm. which is what I call them? So we all spend time kind of developing our um, ideal client model, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of revenue, this kind of industry, yeah, they need this kind of stuff. Things, yeah. yeah. But nobody spends time developing that same profile for referral partners. No, they don't. So if you do that, you'll get really focused on the right kind of individual. So that will create results immediately. So how do you know what that looks like? Mm-hmm. Well, you go back to your, your existing clients. You figure out where those leads came from and if they were referrals, mm-hmm. who referred you. And you look at that small group. It's probably 5 or 10% of the people you know are referring you on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So can you create a profile that mimics that group? Mm-hmm. It, and while demographics are important, um, I work with a lot of you know professional service providers, attorneys, bankers, CPAs, and mm-hmm. they refer me work. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But I don't really care what they do. I mm-hmm. care more about the individual, the psychographic who piece, right? Who they are, how they think. Um, are they givers? Is there a way to be um, reciprocal in the relationship? That's more important to me than the specific thing that they do. That's so helpful. Because I can't tell you how many financial advisors I know, right? right? Or how many like want to do coffee like right. every week, and yeah. I'm just like, I have like 500 of you at this point, yeah. right? That I've met with or whatever six years into yeah. this business, but it's not reciprocal. Yeah. Um. So you you talk about the psychographic. Mm-hmm. Um. So can you talk about a little bit more like what types of people you know tend to be the you know the easiest to yeah. you know be reciprocal with. I think there has to be an alignment with 
what you do and who you do it for, mm -hmm. right? Because if if I meet somebody that's selling office supplies, for mm -hmm. example, and they're probably talking to a, a, an office manager, mm -hmm. and in my business, I have to talk to the CEO, there's a lack of alignment there. We're not talking to the right kind of person. So why I may really like that person, there's it's difficult to be aligned. Mm -hmm. And then, so it's who are they talking with and they're having similar conversations. So I tend to be at the strategic level, have um, a lot of conversations about strategy and planning and growth and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But if my, my referral partner is talking at the very tactical level, so mm -hmm. it's about interior design or something just not aligned with me. I don't mm -hmm. know why I came up with that example, but um, th there's a lack of alignment. So if, you, if they're having similar conversations with similar types of people, there's an opportunity for alignment. There so I do I start go. there. Mm -hmm. So they, for me, in, in my sort of ideal client profile or, or referral partner profile, they have to be strategic thinkers. Mm -hmm. Even if they're providing a tactical service, they have to think strategically. So they're having a similar conversation. So that way, when I'm having a similar conversation, there's more of an opportunity to refer them in when I see a need. Oh, that makes sense. Um, and then are they givers? Are they proven givers? Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, I'm not giving to get. I'm giving because it, it's the right thing to do and I get a lot of juice out of doing that. Right. But if it's someone that's just sitting in an office, isolated all the time, there's there's a limitation to that reciprocity. Mm -hmm. So I look for some of those things as well. Are they experts? Do they do a really good job? Do they deliver value for clients? Because, mm -hmm. you know, when we refer somebody in, it's our reputation on the line, right? Right, exactly. So we want to make sure that we trust that person. They're an expert or their firm is an expert in what they do. So those are some of the things that I look for. I really, really, really like, really like that. Because you're looking for not just people you like. Because there could be a ton of people. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love all my all the people I know. Yeah, yeah. All the people you, I'm in constant contact with. We love them all, but are they actually having the same conversation? Exactly. And do they think the same? Yeah. Is that it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and can easy. you refer to them, and are they going to be able to refer to you? Yes, that's big right. too. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, you know, we go in to to talk to somebody, but maybe you know, or like, I'll just use a financial advisor sure. one. Cause I meet a ton of them, yeah. you know, a lot of them, like maybe one of them, like just does Dave Ramsey. Right. Yeah. So he's, yep. they're dealing with people who are very cost adverse yep. and not like strategy minded, really. Right. They're just cost adverse and trying to create, you mm -hmm. know, as much cash as possible. Yep. It's right. It's more transactional. For them, yeah. Right? It's extremely transactional, which is not really how we work with our right. clients. So it doesn't tend to be a good mix for us yeah doesn't, doesn't they're not a bad person they no, no, no. A really they awesome just person, but you're not going to spend as much time with those individuals they're not going to be at the a level and mm -hmm. i kind of look at my list and i categorize it a b and c mm -hmm. a are my top um, referral partners we've established a relationship mm -hmm. there's reciprocity there's energy and desire to help each other mm -hmm. and that's a very small list yeah. and then my b's are probably three times that size in terms of volume on that list, they have the potential to be A's, mm -hmm. but we haven't just quite sort of cracked the code yet. And then C's it, everybody else, all great people. I'm just not going to meet them once a month. Right. It just doesn't make sense for me or them. So you meet your A's once a month, is that right? Is that something you do yeah, try to do? At least, at least. Because we've got really great working relationships, we're in the same networking groups, mm -hmm. we're working with the same clients many times. Mm -hmm. So I often see my A's once a week. Oh, but cool. at least it's at least once a month. So that's we stay, awesome. you know, really connected. Um, so what is the best way to communicate how a business helps people? So you have a lot of stuff around messaging. Yeah. Um, and what is the best, best, what are some of the tools you have um, for people to communicate better? 
mm-hmm. about how they help people. Yeah. Because I always say we just do we do tax and accounting. You yeah. know, yeah. like right, right. I know there's a better message to have than that. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm working on it. But you know, what are some of your favorite ways to like help people work through like what they do? Right. You know, it's it's a noisy environment. Right? It's really We're hit noisy. by millions of marketing messages every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, across all the different media channels, all the different just messages coming to us. So while you do tax and accounting, mm-hmm. that's important to say. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. you could jump to the other end of the spectrum and be so vague. People are like, what? No, I, I don't just understand. don't get it. So yeah. you have to be transparent. Right. Mm-hmm. Tax and accounting is what we do. But mm-hmm. people don't buy your solution. Right. They buy the result of what you do, the outcome of what you do. Mm-hmm. So when you can wrap your messaging around that, mm-hmm. it's far more impactful. So uh-huh. a business owner doesn't go out and say, I need a sales strategy. Mm-hmm. They don't think that. They think we need to close more deals. We yeah, need more we leads in the funnel. We need to convert more um, leads into revenue. Mm-hmm. They're thinking from a tactical or pain point perspective. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking sales strategy necessarily. So with with your messaging think about the problem that you're solving and the results that you deliver mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. and then the solution second quite honestly business owners don't care about the solution mm-hmm. they don't they don't really care about us as service providers they mm-hmm. care about getting a result yeah they care about their that's result. where that's kind of your nose in the tent is having that conversation so wrap it around results mm-hmm. around the problem you solve in the language of your of your market and your buyer that makes sense. Right. Not the technical language that we may use in our industry. Mm-hmm. It's their language. Right. Really, we really can important. bury people in the technical language. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's really fun. quickly, right? And what happens? Extremely then quickly. Then we glaze over and move on. <laughs> Which we I don't, don't blame you. We if don't you, have to figure it out. Yeah, it's too much work. We're yeah, too busy if you as wanna, business owners. If you want to glaze over about tech stuff, I'll be there, right there with you. <laughs> That's easily done, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I glaze over sometimes too. Um, So tell us about the Growth Collaborative and how it helps small business owners. Yeah, so um, about two years ago, I kind of took a look at my business and we do a lot of one-on-one consulting Mm -hmm. with clients. Um, And it's not cheap, but it delivers a ton of value really, really quickly. But especially in the Denver marketplace, there's a lot of small business owners, less than a million dollars in revenue. Whether they're startup or they're in growth phase, they're the business owner that's trying to sell or they're trying to hire the first salesperson. They're trying to figure out their marketing and their mm-hmm. messaging. And they're just trying to grow this thing they call a business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these folks don't have a ton of money to spend on service providers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that piece. And then the other piece was I've been in networking groups. I'm sure you have to mastermind groups. Uh, and early in my career, I realized these mastermind groups were all full of rookie business owners, all trying to help each other out. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a total experience of maybe five years in the room Mm -hmm. there's only so much you can help each other out with Mm -hmm. there's a limit to the experience and the value that we can provide each other as mastermind members and so you know 20 years into business now i realized there was a gap for these small business owners they don't have um a forum where they can come together Mm -hmm. as small business owners and and commiserate with each other right brainstorm but also have somebody that has 20 years of business experience that actually can deliver direct consulting Mm -hmm. that they otherwise couldn't afford one-on-one. And that was sort of the brainchild for the Growth Collaborative is you can go to these peer advisory groups where the chair is there facilitating the conversation. Mm -hmm. They're not not either allowed to or able to deliver actual consulting. So I take my one-on-one consulting and deliver it in a small group environment where there are four to six business owners. They're all in similar types of industries, not not competitors, but similar industries. They're dealing with the same kind of stuff. So I could sit with you, Jamie, and we can talk about your messaging and mm-hmm. everybody in the room learns. Mm-hmm. So they're getting one-on-one consulting in a small group environment at a much, much lower cost, quite honestly. I love you. So that's that's it. kind of the brainchild. So it's basically group training. 
group training, group consulting. I love it. But there's that kind of team camaraderie, yeah. that mindset of, of all working and growing our businesses together as well. I love yeah. that. Um, so what is your favorite? So my last second to last question is, what is your favorite book um, for sales and marketing for small business owners? I would say my current favorite. Yeah, it was the current right? favorite. Because there's so many. There's, there's so, many so many great many. books out there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a guy actually based in Denver called Keenan. One name. Keenan. He's just Keenan. Keenan. Is that cool? He's um, just Prince. And um, his book is called Gap Selling. And um, it's actually really good. There's, you know, how many times can you remash sales strategy, right? Sales training, sales I've approach. I've been selling right up here. Right, exactly. I've got two copies of it. <laughs> I've never read, I haven't read either one of them. It's not helping you. <laughs> right, it's pretty though. Yeah, it looks good, right? <laughs> um, there's challenger trait, there's challenger sales, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but what he really focuses on is really understanding the current state of the business, the problem we're trying to solve and how that's impacting the business today mm -hmm. and what the future state would look like if you could solve that problem. Mm -hmm. So then he focuses on that gap between current and future state like and it's that. a lot of what i've talked about for years and years and years he just wrapped it up in this concept of gap selling it's really really good and he's got some really good content so i would say check him out all right it's worth we're it gonna, we're gonna gap i'll go download that one right now um maybe it's on blinkist guys they don't <laughs> sponsor us yet but i'm still working on it <laughs> all right so before i ask my last question uh what is the easiest or where is the easiest way for people to find you just search my name um I'm all over the web you'll find me on linkedin you'll find me on all the social platforms. Mm -hmm. So just Dean Isaacs. Yep. And then um, we'll link everything in the description okay, box. Yeah, we always you. do that. So final question. What is the one thing every business owner needs to be doing with their sales and marketing to create growth? So if you could say one thing that most people are missing, what would that be? Measure how you're succeeding. Oh. Figure out what's working. Boil it down to the most basic components and do more of that. That's huge. Awesome. Don't overthink it. <laughs> hey, I say that a lot. <laughs> Don't overthink it. Just get it done. Just get it going. Go, go do something, right? right? Take action. Yeah, go do something. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank Appreciate you. you. Absolutely. Awesome. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast to be inspiring, helpful, and entertaining, please like and subscribe. This helps us grow the community and reach more people. If you're interested in learning more about this episode's guest or accessing any of the books or other resources mentioned in this episode, be sure to check out the description box below. Until next time, be abundant.